All right, we're looking at Mark 6. Mark chapter 6, verses 30 through 44. Uh, And just a little bit of context so you know, because we kind of jump here in the middle. Uh, What's happened before, a couple of things. One, Jesus has sent out his 12 disciples uh, on this uh, mission. He sent them out two by two, and they went out, and he gave them the power to heal people and cast out demons, and now they're coming back from that. Uh, And he's also just heard... Um, gotten a report that John the Baptist has uh, been killed. So, here we go. Uh, Verse 30. God's Word. It says, The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy two hundred denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said, Five and two fish. Then Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish... He looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were five thousand men. All men are like grass, and all mankind's glory is like the flower of the field. And the grass withers and the flowers fade away. But God's word stands forever. So let me pray for us before we consider it further tonight. Heavenly Father, we need, we need you. We need you to be here by your Holy Spirit so that we will be able to understand your word, so that we will be able to hear it. We need you to work so that good things happen. Father, uh, we... We can't do those things in and of ourselves, and so we acknowledge that, and we pray that you would condescend to us and be kind to us. We thank you for your word, that you are a God who speaks, and we pray that your blessing would be upon your word tonight, and we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. This semester, if you've been with us, you know that we're studying through the book or the gospel of Mark, and our theme every week is Wide-Eyed Wonder. Wide-eyed wonder, because Mark, Mark's gospel uh, is, is somewhat unique in the fact that everything about it moves quickly. Uh, Mark, Mark seems to write with this unique excitement about Jesus. Not that the other gospel authors are not excited about Jesus, but, but there's just something uh, almost magnetic about Mark's excitement. 
Uh, we say just about every week that he's almost like a little kid who wants to show you a, a new toy that they've got. And, and they, they grab you by the hand and they say, you've got to come see this. Uh, that's a little bit like what Mark, uh, how Mark reads. And as we read it, as, if we see Jesus rightly, I think that we'll be left with that same wide-eyed wonder. And so especially, I think especially if you've grown bored with Jesus, if you've grown up in the church, um, I think Mark, I think Mark is what you need. Because Mark is going to give you Jesus. And it's going to be exciting. Uh, And what we see in our passage tonight that I think just might cause that uh, wide-eyed wonder for us uh, is that Jesus provides for his people. That's our main idea tonight. Uh, We're going to see how how amazingly Jesus provides for his people. And we're going to look at that uh, in three ways, three aspects of it. First, we're going to see that Jesus provides compassionately. Secondly, I want you to see that Jesus provides wisely. And thirdly and finally, that Jesus provides powerfully and abundantly. All right, so first, Jesus provides compassionately. The first thing that I want you to see is that Jesus, that he cares enough to provide for his people at all. Just the very fact that he's, that he wants to provide is a big deal. Uh, to really understand, understand that, we have to sort of get the context. All right, so what's going on in the beginning of this story? Like we said as we began to read, earlier in chapter 6, Jesus had sent his 12 disciples out, uh, and then they went out over you know, all the towns in the area, two by two, and they were preaching and uh, healing people and casting out demons, working very hard. Uh, they, they experienced a lot of success in that. And so verse 31 tells us that Jesus wants them to go off to some place that's out of the way so that they can uh, get away for a little bit by themselves and rest a little bit. And because even now that they've come back, there have been lots of people even still coming up to them where they are. Uh, they're coming up and they're, they're wanting to be healed. They're wanting to meet Jesus. And so they're so busy that the text tells us they don't even have time to eat. And on top of that, Matthew tells us uh, in Mark, you see the, uh, right before this is the, uh, the passage uh, about John the Baptist's death. And Matthew makes it clear that some of John the Baptist's, Baptist's disciples go and report to Jesus, right before this, that John the Baptist was killed. So on top of all this busyness, healing people, teaching people, on and on, always demanding his time... Uh, He's experienced this death. And so he wants to go off and he wants to be by himself. Right? You can picture the scene. So he he decides, he says, look, let's let's get in the boat and let's just let's just kind of go over there. Let's get out of the way and be by ourselves. We need some time to catch our breath. We need some time to grab some food. We need some peace and quiet. Probably take some time to mourn, to pray. And what happens? They get there, and there's a huge crowd of people waiting on him that, that want more from him. And look at verse 34. It's pretty amazing. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Look, think about what you're like 
after it's been a hard, it's been a rough day at school. Uh, you got a test back and it did not go well, and you've been studying for this other thing and working on this project and your group project. The other people didn't, you know, some of them didn't show up because they never do in group projects. And you know, on and on, it's been one thing after another. And so you get home, you're like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go home and I'm gonna cook myself something to eat. I'm gonna sit and I'm gonna watch my show. And you, you know, the microwave dings, whatever, the, and you pull it out and then one of your friends shows up or you get a text and they want something else from you and they need, they need you right now and they want your attention. How are you in that moment? Look, I know, I know for myself when I come home, you know, been at work all day, doing things, meeting people, study, whatever, and it's, it's been a long day. And I want to sit and I would just love to sit and have dinner and, and just exchange like 30 seconds of conversation with my wife. Just how was your day? It was good. What did you? Just, just that. But we have kids. <laughs> and look, I know what I can be like in those moments. And it, let's just say it's not compassionate. And I bet sometimes for you it's the same thing. But Jesus is absolutely worn out. One of his, I think John the Baptist and Jesus are related, right? Aren't they cousins? Somebody nod, shake. I think they're something like that. Fair enough. Um, The guy that Jesus said is basically the best guy that ever lived besides himself. Just died. Not just died, but was killed for following him, essentially. And Jesus shows up, and what he sees are a bunch of people that want his attention, and he moves towards them in compassion. All right, so who are these people? What are they like? Mark says that Jesus sees they're like sheep without a shepherd. So what does that mean? All right, if you know anything about sheep, which I don't except from what I've read in books, but I trust them. Sheep are utterly helpless animals. Evidently, they cannot even find food on their own. Um, they can't protect themselves. They have no measure of their own protection. They're completely vulnerable. They will wander, wander off and get killed if, if they're not protected and guarded and guided. They'll follow, they've been known apparently to follow each other right off of cliffs, just one right after the other. They're utterly helpless, utterly, needle, utterly needy, And that's what Jesus sees. So in other words, it's not this group of adoring fans that just want to take a few selfies and, you know, talk to Jesus and maybe get an autograph, uh, tell him how great he is, something like that. It's a bunch of people that need from him. They were poor. They were sick. um, They were oppressed by the religious establishment. They were oppressed by the government. uh, They were lost. they They were dying for some bit of hope. They were just need machines. And Jesus looks at those people and he has the utmost of compassion on them. And it actually connects back to some passages in the Old Testament uh, where God compares his people to sheep. Um, Particularly uh, Ezekiel 34. Um, God is, in Ezekiel 34, God's upset with the, uh, the elders, the leaders in Israel because they're not taking care of the people of Israel like they ought to. They're, they're looking after themselves first. 
and sort of abusing the people. And so listen to what God says. Ezekiel 34, uh, just a few verses. Verse 4. The weak you have not strengthened. The sick you have not healed. The injured you have not bound up. The strayed you have not brought back. The lost you have not sought. And with force and harshness you have ruled them. Verse 11. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. Verse 15. I myself will will be the shepherd of my sheep. Do you see the point? Mark is showing us that Jesus is showing up and He is the great shepherd. That He is the one that that Ezekiel was really talking about. Jesus says that about Himself in John 10. He says that He is is the shepherd, right? Right? I think that might even be why Mark mentioned... I thought this was very insightful and cool by somebody that noted this. I think it might even be why Mark mentions the green grass. Right? That's kind of an interesting, odd, unusual detail, right? But think about it. Psalm 23, right? He leads me beside still, water, still waters. Right? He makes me lie down in green pastures. That might be what he has in mind. But what Mark is showing us is that God Himself has showed up and He deeply cares about broken people. He deeply cares about people that have a lot of stuff wrong with them. So what does that mean for us? Look, it means that you can, no matter who you are, no matter what you have wrong with you, no matter what sin is in your life, no matter what dysfunction, that you can go toward Jesus and you can know that you can be met with His compassion. You can know that when you, that you can go towards Jesus and that what you're, you're not going to find the, a guy like how I react sometimes, right, to my kids. Just give me a minute, please. You're always asking, just let me be for a minute. You can go to Jesus and He doesn't look at you and say, how many times... Like, forgive me for that sin again. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah, I get it. Your grandmom's sick. Take a break. That's not what you get from Jesus. You get, the compa- you get compassion. Compassion of the great shepherd. Uh, this summer, some of you might have heard the story, there was a, um, a Major League Baseball umpire uh, a guy named John Tumpane. He was driving. <clears throat> he was driving to his baseball game that he was going to uh, officiate a- in Pittsburgh, and he saw a woman climb over the rail of the uh, Roberto Clemente Bridge, and was obviously intending to jump. And so he pulled over and approached her and talked to her, and basically held on to her until you know, help arrived and saved her life. And what she said uh, essentially was that the reason she was there was because she didn't feel like anybody cared about her. Like nobody could see her. Like she just didn't matter. And then this guy comes along and he sees her and, and, and cares about her. 
cares about her enough not just to, not just to call 911 and say, oh, there's somebody, you know, go check on them, but cares enough to go and, and, and intervene and literally take hold of her and say, you matter. And she basically said, that's, that's why I came back. And look, every one of us, that's built into every one of us. We all want, we all want to know that there's somebody that cares, that we matter. And what I want you to see is that Jesus has ultimate compassion towards you. Secondly, I want you to see that Jesus provides very wisely. Um, yeah, Jesus' provision here in this passage is amazing for a number of reasons, but, but one aspect that I really want to point out is how wise he is in it. Um, because Jesus, as the good shepherd, he gives these people and gives us what we truly need. Right? Notice that what Jesus does right after he's moved with compassion towards these people, look at verse 34. And he began to teach them many things. Right? His heart breaks for them, and what does he do? He teaches them. That might seem odd, but, but what does he teach them? He teaches them the good news of the kingdom. Uh, almost certainly he teaches them um, about, God's, about God's character, about his, um, his grace and his mercy, um, who God is, what he's done for people. Um, certainly about our own sin, their own sinfulness and yet his grace to them. Because he knows that that's what they need more than anything else. He gives them what they truly need. But I want you to notice one other aspect that I want to spend more time on about how wisely he provides. Um, Evidently, Jesus talks for a really long time. uh, And it starts to get late. And his disciples come up to him and they say, hey, it's getting late. We're in the middle of nowhere. Don't know if you've noticed. So we should probably send this huge crowd of people home so that they can go to a nearby, at least have time to make it to a town and get some food. Um, and so notice what's happened Jesus has taught them for so long and now it's getting late and it's it's kind of almost too late and so what I want you to see is that Jesus has orchestrated this whole thing so that they would be in that position right this is no accident Jesus Jesus is not like every other preacher that looks at his clock and says oh man I've been talking too long this was carefully orchestrated by Jesus. But what would the purpose of that be? Why would he do that? Why would he make it so that this crowd gets hungry? Well, he makes it so this crowd would get hungry. Just, was it just so that he could provide bread? Well, that's a part of it. right? But it wasn't just so he could give them bread and say, like, look, see, that's pretty, pretty crazy, right? I'm kind of a big deal. He does it. Uh, it's far more, um, there's far more to it than that. Listen to Deuteronomy Okay, so we're going Old Testament. This is about the Exodus, which we studied last semester, and and some of you might remember this. So this is uh, as they're coming, they've come out of Egypt, and now God is leading them through the wilderness, right? And he directs where they camp. All right, we're going to camp here. Pick up and move, we're going to camp here. All right, so um, God leads them into this, uh, this campsite, and there's no food there. There's no food, and they complain about it, and God provides manna, right? Bread, bread-like substance on the ground. All right, listen to this, uh, Deuteronomy 8.3. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, 
that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. All right, do you see what Moses is saying there? That God led you there on purpose so that he, he knew there was no food. He wanted you to get to the point where you looked around and said, no food. So that you would realize, wait, we're hungry. We can't provide food. So that he could provide food for them. Also that they could realize that not only, not only does this God provide food, but not only does he give us what we need, he's what we need more than anything else. Does that make sense? That yes, you need food and I provide it, but what you need even more than that is me. Because if you have him, then you have everything. And Jesus is pointing back to the Exodus. And that helps us understand what's going on. Look, Jesus is trying to show those people and trying to show us very wisely that we all need something more than than just the physical than what we can see and touch and feel. That our physical hunger is just an illustration almost of something deeper. Um, Yeah, have you you realized that about yourself yet? Have you realized that just by virtue of the fact that you're a human being, that you necessarily are going to, you're going to feed on something. Just like your body needs food and you're, you're going to eat or you'll die. Your, your humanity, your, your spirit, whatever, uh, who you are, you, you are going to sustain yourself on something in life. You're going to go to something and feed on it. Um, yeah, what is it that, have you been reflective enough to ever think, what is it that I feed on? What gets me out of bed in the morning? It can be anything, right? It can be, it can be sex. It can be money. It can be making good grades. Uh, it can be being popular or athletic, having the right friend group, a boyfriend, a girlfriend. Fill in the blank. And in, in any mix of any of those things. But what is it for you? What is the thing that holds out promise and says, if you have me, then you'll be satisfied. You'll have everything. Yeah, is it your grades? Is it if you're in the cool group? If you're in the cool group, then, then everything else in life will be okay. If I, if I could just be skinny enough, then everything else would be okay. I'd have the friends I wanted or the boyfriend I wanted or the whatever. If I could just have the right job, what is it? So Jesus provides very wisely for us uh, because he wants us to see that we, we hunger for something bigger. And what we're hungering for ultimately is him. All right, thirdly and finally, what I want you to see is that Jesus provides powerfully and abundantly. All right, so now we finally get around to the, to the actual, actual miracle that Jesus does here, providing food for the crowd. Uh, and if you notice, it's clear that providing food for this crowd was an enormous task, right? Um, Verse 44 tells us it was 5,000 men. So that's just the men. So it is entirely reasonable to think that 
uh, there very well most likely have been 10, maybe 15,000 people there when you include women and children. So think about this. The Farrell Center, where our Baylor Bears play basketball and other things happen, um, holds just over 10,000 people. Okay? Right at 10,000 people. So I think it's fair to say that we're talking about a feral center full of people. A game where it's, it's packed out. All right? That's who we're talking about. Uh, the disciples obviously recognize that this is impossible because when Jesus tells them that they should feed these people, uh, verse 37, they say, well, it would cost at least 200 denarii worth of bread. A denarii was one day's work or wage for a laborer. So basically they're saying it would, cost, it would cost eight months' salary to buy lunch for everybody. Right? It would be about the same for if you had to feed lunch to everybody in the Feral Center. You know, if you're going to spend, what, three, four, five dollars thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 so everybody can get some lunch? And then to help drive home the impossibility of all, what does Jesus do? He says, all right, go figure out how much we got. Report back. And they come back, uh, I think it's John, Gospel of John, tells us that basically um, it's, it's one kid, one boy's lunch. And he's got five pieces of bread and two fish. So most of you know that... Uh, that I, well, I was going to say, I pack my lunch. Amy packs my lunch every day, right? I got the brown bag, same thing in it every day, which is awesome. So imagine a packed house at the Ferrell Center, and we got my lunch. And Jesus says, all right, let's go do that. That's, that's almost exactly what we're dealing with. You get the picture. So what happens? Jesus takes the food, he gives thanks to God, and then his disciples pass it out to everybody. And they keep handing it out, and they keep handing it out, and they go back and they get more, and they hand it out. Which, think about how long that would take if 12 of us went and passed out food to everybody in the Feral Center. It'd take a minute, wouldn't it? And they keep handing it out, and every single person ate. Uh, Listen to J.C. Ryle uh, on this. Um, He says, In short, it is plain that the hand of him who made the world out of nothing was present on this occasion. None but he who at the first created all things and sent down manna in the desert could thus have spread a table in the wilderness. Right? Jesus provides with the, pow- with the very power of God himself in the face of the impossible. He provides an abundance because... It- It would have been amazing if just everybody had tasted it, right? If 10,000 people walked away and said, I I, I ate a piece of that. I was there, man. I ate a piece. But it says everybody ate and was full. And not only did everybody eat all they wanted and were satisfied, but then Jesus sends them back. All right, go pick up what's left. So think about that. Think about cleaning up after the game. Twelve of us, you got your bucket, and I got mine. Right? As you pick up scraps of food, how long would it be before you realize that I have more in just my bucket now after everybody has eaten than Jesus started with? This is amazing. Right? I think what we're supposed to see is that Jesus provided 
an abundance. He gave a lot. He's showing us that he's not just the provider of bread, but he's the creator of bread. And even more than that, he's showing us that he's the one that gives us, what, gives us everything that we need. And actually, even more than that, he's showing us that he is what we need. We all hunger for something deeper than food. And Jesus is showing us that what we're truly built to feed on is him. He's our greatest need. So let's, let's bring it home and, and apply that. You know, do, do you need food? Yes. Well, Jesus provides food. Do you need money? Yes, I, I need money. Jesus provides money. Do you need good grades? Well, yes. But, but actually, I think a lot of us would, would interrupt that conversation or have that conversation this way. Yes, I, uh, sorry, I blew it. Um, look at your notes. Um, do you want, do you need self-worth? Do you need validation? Yes. But, but actually, I'm good on that. My, my grades are doing that. Or my, you know, fill in the blank. But let's just take our grades. I've been, I've been here at Baylor long enough to know that's a big one for us. That's what we struggle with a lot. Um, my grades are providing my self-worth and my, um, my validation in life. Well, how good of a job is it doing? Is it providing that in abundance? And you might say, yeah. I, I work hard and I make good grades. And I, I always make good grades. But even if you just made a good grade, there's going to be another test, Right? Well, what about what about the next test? What about that other class? Or what about next semester? Right? It doesn't stop. So it, even when you make good grades, it might satisfy you a little bit. But do you see that that ultimately you're a slave to it? That that it makes you work. And then think about what if you what if you don't make good grades? How how does how does that provide for your self worth? Well, it, it robs you of it, right? It steals it from you. And the same is true if you feed on what the mirror shows you or what the scale shows you or uh, what your boyfriend or girlfriend says about you, uh, whatever it is. All of those things, they they might provide, but it's weak. And it never satisfies. It's never enough. You can't ever get your hands on it. But the good news is that Jesus is showing us that he's the provider of what your soul really needs and he provides an abundance. And how does it work? What does he do? He provides himself. Right? Because this whole, um, this whole provision of bread thing is going to come up again in Mark. Right? Jesus is going to take bread. And he's going to give it to his disciples. And he's going to say, this bread is like my body. It's going to be broken. But it's going to be broken for you. And just like, just like this bread is what you're going to feed on, it's, it's what's going to, keep, it's going to sustain you for right now, the breaking of my body, my taking your sin and taking God's wrath for it, that's what's going to sustain you. And it's going to sustain you 
so, so powerfully and so abundantly as to put everything else to shame because it, because it will never end. You can never reach the bottom of it. And he did it because he has incredible compassion on us. Because he loves us. And so, it's because of that, right? If and when you, you feed on Jesus, right? You, you, can, you can make bad grades. And if you make bad grades, it, I mean, sure, that's no fun. It's disappointing. But it's not devastating. Because that's not where you draw your self-worth. What you feed on is Jesus. Your boyfriend or girlfriend can break up with you. And that's no fun. And it, it hurts when that happens. But it doesn't destroy you. Because that's not what you feed on. Right? Fill in the blank on whatever it is. When all those other things come up short, Jesus never will. And what you have is the, is the, lo- <clears throat> the love of a father that looks at you with the utmost of compassion and says, I have given everything for you because I love you. And that, that provision will, will feed you forever. And that's, the, uh, that's what's offered to you tonight. And I, I, I pray that you take it, maybe even if it's for the first time. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, uh, we do pray that right now. That that we would believe. That we would that we would take you at your word. That you have that you love us with that kind of a love. And that you um, you have offered us and accomplished for us salvation in Christ. And that we can feed on that uh, forever. So Father, I pray that that truth would reign true in every heart here tonight. And if, it's, and if it doesn't, would you please make it so? And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.